Welcome to the Penguin Podcast. Hello, my name is Roy McMillan, recently arrived at Penguin and working in the media suite, and you're listening to the Penguin Podcast. We've got a few things for you on the podcast today, but largely it's about Penguin Shorts. First up, an interview with Venetia Butterfield, publishing director over at Viking, who's going to be talking to Victoria Philpot about the Penguin Shorts. I won't ruin the interview by giving any of that away, but I can say that we had Colm Tobin in yesterday afternoon recording the audiobook edition for his contribution to the Penguin Shorts list, and we'll be hearing from him talking to Ravina Bajwa about writing for the short form and also hearing some of that short itself. First, though, here's Venetia Butterfield talking to Victoria Philpot. Hello, my name is Venetia Butterfield and you're listening to The Penguin Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Penguin Shorts. Hi, I'm Victoria Philpot and I'm here to interview Venetia Butterfield, publishing director of Viking. Venetia, what are The Penguin Shorts? Penguin Shorts are a new series of digital-only short books. They're designed to fill a gap. They're short, they're original and affordable, and they're written by some of today's best, most exciting writers, and they are available only in digital form. The idea of Penguin Shorts is that they sit somewhere between a magazine and a book. And what we hope with Penguin Shorts is that actually it will bring reading back to many people who feel that they don't have the time um, and it's also an intelligent alternative to playing Angry Birds on your iPod or your iPad. Who would you say the Penguin Shorts are for? Uh, the Penguin Shorts are for everybody who likes reading books. Uh, I think but nowadays many of us are extremely kind of time poor. Often I talk to people and I say, do you read? And they say, oh, well, I'd love to, but I just don't have the time. So Penguin Shorts are a kind of halfway house between a magazine and a book. They're designed to be uh, read on a long commute or a short journey in your lunch hour or between dinner and bedtime. Uh, they're brief books that provide a kind of short, short escape into a fictional world or they act as a primer in a particular field. Um, so they are designed for people who like reading, want to be better informed, people who would love to have the time to read a full-length book. The idea on Penguin Shorts is that they reflect our general publishing. So we have we have fiction, we have essays, we have memoir, we have history, we have cookery, we have a wonderful Penguin Short by Felicity Cloak, 16 recipes for the perfect Christmas day. So there is something, the idea is that there is something for everybody. For anybody who likes reading, whether it's magazines, whether it's books, whether it's news, I hope that the Penguin Shorts will appeal to those people. And all for the price of a cup of tea. How many titles are Penguin releasing on December the 1st? We're launching with nine titles and uh, we have writers such as Helen Dunmore, Colin Tobin, who's written a wonderful memoir, um, Anita Bruckner. We've also got Toby Young, who's written a, a fantastic short on how to set up a free school. And we have Elif Shafak, who's written a fantastic essay on immigration and national identity. Everyone at Penguin is really excited about the Penguin Shorts. Why do you think that is? I think there are, there are many exciting things about Penguin Shorts. I think one of the very exciting things is actually bringing short stories and novellas to a much wider audience. I feel like with the kind of digital revolution that actually the time of the short story has finally arrived. Short stories usually are packaged with a whole series of other short stories and sold as an as a entire book, whereas actually that's not the way that people read short stories. People read them where they want to read something short. They don't want to read it as a part of a collection. And I think it's comparable in that way 
as people buying singles rather than whole albums. So this could be really revolutionary for the short story and very exciting. I think another thing that's exciting about Penguin Shorts is that it's, in a way, it's reviving the idea of the pamphlet. Pamphleteering is obviously something that's existed in British culture for an extremely long time. And I think with uh, now digital and Penguin Shorts will kind of very much revive that tradition. Another reason why we set up Penguin Shorts is that publishing in many respects can be quite a slow process. So if we wanted to publish something uh, in print form about a a extremely kind of topical issue, if it was a, a long book, 80 to 100,000 words, that's obviously going to take the author an extremely long time to write. Also, we then have to go through the long editing process and we then work to a kind of retailer's demands where we sell in kind of six months before. So if you were writing something topical, so whether it's Julian Assange or whether it's the, the Arab Spring, often a book wouldn't be out until a year after the event. With Penguin Shorts, we can be much more adept, we can be much quicker, and we can have something on a topical issue written and ready to be bought by the consumer within a month. And that is extremely exciting and something that we can offer that publishers weren't previously able to do. So I think that is, um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And how often are you planning to publish the shorts? We plan to publish uh, Penguin Shorts every month. So Penguin Shorts will be published on the same day. So the first of every month, there'll be a whole new series of Penguin Shorts. Um, We also aim to tie in with key events. So we hope that we'll have Penguin Shorts around key exhibitions. So we're talking to authors who will write about David Hockney's big David Hockney exhibition. There's a big Damien Hirst retrospective. What do you think the Penguin Shorts mean for Penguin as a brand? The Penguin Shorts very much tie into the Penguin brand and very much into our heritage. Anne Lane, who founded the paperback, famously came up with the idea when he was standing on a station he had nothing to read and was frustrated that there were no affordable, portable books for him to read. So Penguin Shorts, I think, is very much comes within that kind of heritage and so penguin shorts are the same thing we're responding to kind of changing needs we're responding to different technology and we're providing short books for the masses to read which was exactly what he wanted to do provide brilliant writing for a lot of people to enjoy what do you see for the future of penguin shorts Well, Penguin Shorts, I hope, will be a very substantial digital series. We will be adding to it on a monthly basis, publishing them all on the first of every month. And I hope we'll have a very substantial series. So it becomes kind of synonymous with quick reads that are extremely informative. So I hope in future years people will think, I really need to know something about X. And rather than going to kind of Wikipedia or Google and searching for something, they'll immediately want to search for Penguin Short because they know that brilliant, informative writers will be writing something good about that subject that they're interested in. Or I hope it will really revive the short story. That would be wonderful. I hope we'll be able to launch some new writers in Penguin Shorts because that's that's one of the interesting things about debut writers is often debut writers write in short stories, which previously have been very difficult to make work. 
Can you explain the significance of the Penguin Shorts covers, please? The Penguin Shorts covers are designed in the same way as the original paperback. So they use the kind of three stripes and the colour of the cover will signify broadly what genre the penguin short is so for instance orange orange has always been um, synonymous with fiction we have also taken some different colors that Anna Lane didn't initially use so turquoise is very much the kind of pamphleteering non-fiction essay we have yellow which is new which is for our history pink uh, is also new cookery so and as more subjects come into the series we'll have to think of some new colors How does the editorial process differ from that of a normal book? Penguin shorts may be shorter and they may be cheaper than many of the books that we publish, but they have the same attention to detail and love applied to them as they do anything else that we publish. They're written by some of the very best authors that we publish and the same level of editing is applied to these as they are any other book. So for the price of a cup of coffee read a penguin short and expand your mind and have an enjoyable hour as well. Venetia Butterfield, publishing director at Viking, talking to Victoria Philpot about the penguin shorts. And on that subject, Colm Tabeen, the multi-award winning Irish writer, was in yesterday afternoon recording the audiobook version of his story, A Guest at the Feast, for the penguin shorts. In a moment, he'll be talking to Ravina Bajwa about writing the short form, about the memories that his piece invoked. But first, here's some of the story itself. The train journey along the River Slaney between Enniscorthy and Wexford remains for me the most moving and resonant landscape anywhere in the world. In that silvery still afternoon light, for several miles you see no roads and hardly any buildings, just trees and the calm, strong river. If you are travelling to Wexford in late October with the promise of music, these 10 or 15 minutes offer a special happiness. All of us have a landscape of the soul, places whose contours and resonances are etched into us and haunt us. If we ever become ghosts, these are the places to which we would return. There is a small single-lane bridge along that stretch of the Slaney called Edder Mine Bridge. It spans the river at its loneliest and most mysterious. If you stop for one second and look north, you can see the spire of Pugin's Cathedral at Enniscorthy rising over the other buildings of the town and the brown-green water below you cutting deep into the sandy soil, moving slowly towards Wexford and the sea. Every time I stop on this bridge, its own modest beauty stretched there between the two towns carries with it, like the water below, a weight of memory and sadness the depth of the November colours, the strong sleeping textures of this landscape, the brooding dullness of the sky, the heavy water, are all burdened by this watching presence. I can remember everything here. This is a place where images come one after the other, like a strange, random, vivid slideshow. Okay, thanks, Colin, for joining us. Um, We've just got a few questions about your new Penguin Short, A Guest at the Feast, which is publishing as an e-book only. 
Do you have a different relationship as an author with the shorter form as opposed to longer form writing? Um, I suppose if you were attempting to write a memoir in the longer form, you would really try and cover the whole business, you know, of um, experience and, you know, things that had happened and um, trips you'd made. And I'm not sure how I would do it. Whereas with this, I felt I could work with a set of images and that that I could work off those images and see how much they could resonate rather than trying a grand narrative. You did mention in The Guest in the Feast that... um, you describe the moments in your life as a strange and vivid slideshow, and I that kind of that comes through. Um, so, did it come easily to you to write these images into prose? Like, how, how would you? Um, so some of them are written at different times, you know, and and often it would be at the end of the day when something would occur to me, and I would find myself writing it before I knew I was writing it, and then I had this horrible habit of feeling, well, I've started it now, I, I should finish it rather than just leaving it there as a scrap. So that's, in, in a way, the only way I can get anything done is that guilt over, <laughs> if I don't do this now, yeah. well, it'll just go. It'll never be recorded. But it would always begin unintentionally, or usually begin unintentionally. Wow, so it's kind of an organic process. And yeah, you just and it kind of sort leads of, you through. You find yourself always being led up to say, well, you know, oh, and then you think the opening, and then over, over days you would do the rest of it, yeah. Do you enjoy short form writing or do you find it or is it there are particular things about it that you enjoy and are there challenges? You know, I came I, I, um, I came late to the short story. In other words, that while a lot of writers um, start writing short stories and go on to novels and don't return to the short story form, I found the short story form really difficult. Um, I, I didn't have enough confidence. I didn't know how close it is almost to song how much it depends on rhythm. And um, when I learned that, I was rather pleased, you know, that that something could come to me as an image and that I could sort of work with that, uh, that I was working much more from rhythms and images than, say, from characters, plots or ideas. And uh, so I found that interesting. And the short form, I think, works very well with that. that yeah, that I mean, it's certainly very beautiful. And I think you can... You, having described it in that way, I, you can imagine it almost as a score of pictures. I think that's a really beautiful way of describing it. Um, you've also read a recording of the memoir as well. Did, did you enjoy reading it? And was that challenging or did you find, yeah? Um, I've worked with a few great actors, um, most notably with Donald McCann um, and with the, the, you know, who, who was really the great Irish actor of his generation, who did one of my books for the BBC as a book at bedtime, and Irish actresses such as Derville Crotty and Marie Mullen. And I've watched how much work they put into every breath, every intonation, and where the emotion can be withheld and then given it, you know, how that works. So, um, all I'm doing is a sort of um, a pale mimicry of what they what they can do so so, so supremely and superbly. So um, I wouldn't, um, you know, I'd stick to the day job if I were if I were me, really. Well, I think as a listener, it's always really interesting to hear the author read their own work. Just yes, to, I wonder to, if yeah. it's more interesting if the author is a poet. I mean, hearing um, Eliot reading or hearing, hearing Philip Larkin or Seamus Heaney 
Sylvia Plath, you really get so much from that sense of voice. The problem with, with prose narrative is that you do have to tell the story. And so the less voice you have sometimes, the better. So you've got to just get on with the story. So what I was trying to do w- with, with the recording I made was have a bit of both, yeah. was tell the story, but also just see if I could every so often read a line with the full sort of resonance that uh, or the with as much attention to the rhythm of it as it would be to where it was going to take you in 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 relation to the plot. Yeah, I think you definitely get that from the reading. It's well, I was having a go at yeah. that, but you know, I think an actor might have a better one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, and um, hopefully, everyone will enjoy listening to an extract of the audio book. Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Colm Tobin talking to Ravina Bajwa about his story, A Guest at the Feast, one of the Penguin shorts. And that's it from the Penguin podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about the authors and the books featured in this episode, please visit the website at penguinpodcast.co.uk and if you have any comments or suggestions, we'd really like to hear them. You can email us at podcast at penguin.co.uk or if you'd rather tweet us, we're at Penguin Podcast on Twitter. You've been listening to The Penguin Podcast.